Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. So I'm going to be preaching out of Genesis chapter 29. I'll give you just a little context of the story, um, and then we're going to read some verses at the end. If I were to title this message, I, were, I would title it, This Time. Can you say that with me? Say, This Time. This time. I want to talk to you about the story of uh, Jacob and, and Rachel and Leah. How many know a little bit of the story? In the beginning of this chapter, it's a very familiar text to many of us, but um, Jacob loved Rachel. Uh, he, he was uh, checking her out. And he said, she is beautiful in face and in form. That's what the Bible says. And he was willing to pay a price. I mean, when I read that, I think about my lovely wife, and I see R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E, Rochelle, is beautiful in face and in form. Come on, somebody. And so Jacob uh, worked for seven years just to be with Rachel. And then her father switched it up on him in the last minute. And they had a wedding feast, and then instead of Rachel, he gives her, uh, gives him Leah, and uh, and so this is the story about him having Leah as a wife, and then he's like, "Yo, what's up, bro? Worked for you for seven years. I wanted the other daughter," and uh, but there's a beautiful uh, ending to this chapter where the Lord brings favor to Leah, and it's a little bit of her journey. Um, about her choosing to orient her heart in the right place. Can you say amen? amen. So we're going to go for it here. Genesis chapter 29, verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, corn beef is good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm so sorry. There I go again with food. A Reuben does sound really good after church, though. Where's the best place to get a Reuben in town? Nobody likes Reubens? Come on. What am I, a clown? Where? Foxes? Is it open, honey? Check it out. We're going after church. My mother-in-law's in town. We're going to have a party. Come on, somebody. So let's, let's get back to the Bible here. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Then she conceived again. When she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord has heard that I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. And again she conceived. For not being the one that Jacob wanted, they sure are conceiving a lot up in here. Man, this Jacob dude, I'll tell you. All these wives and... Lord have mercy. Says when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last, say at last, my husband will become attached to me, become joined to me. She wanted to be accepted because I've borne him three sons. So his name was Levi. Then she conceived again. When she gave birth to a son, she said, This time, say this time, I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. 
Then she stopped having children. Pray with me real quick. Father, thank you for this beautiful Sunday. We thank you, Lord, when we gather on the Lord's Day. It's just so good to encounter your love together. I pray that through your word that you would just minister encouragement, refreshing, healing, freedom to every heart, to every life. Help me, Lord, to just communicate what's burning in my heart, what I believe you've put there to give to the people of God. I love these people. I love this community and what you're doing. I'm humbled and I'm honored to be behind this pulpit, and I consider it an honor. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, give God one more shout of praise, would you? Come on. You know, there's something I see in this story, um, and it, it reminds me of moments in life where, you know, sometimes you just get fed up with things, you know? How many have ever just had a, a, a little fed up tantrum? Anybody? Now, I, I want to say this. Sometimes frustration is a good thing. Sometimes being frustrated is God telling us and speaking to our hearts that we are wired to probably fix what frustrates us. But many times we don't realize it and we'll just criticize what's wrong instead of trying to change and make something right. We'd rather criticize the lack instead of becoming the more. And sometimes getting fed up and getting frustrated with things in life is a good thing. And we're like, you know what? Enough is enough. And I see this in the story where Leah is wanting to be seen by her husband, wanting to be loved. And God saw that she was unloved and blessed her. And then it goes on and on, and she wanted to be heard. God heard her, but she was really looking for Jacob's love and affection and attention and love. Matter of fact, in the Hebrew, the word unloved literally means hated. It means despised. And then she comes to a place where she just gets fed up. She says, you know what? This time, I'm going to worship. This time, I'm going to orient my heart at what matters. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, if you didn't know... Um, I heard somebody first service after I said this, like, no, really? Like, sarcastically. If you didn't know, I grew up, and I'm somewhat of a little bit of a maverick. My, my wife said yes on the front row. Thank you for that encouragement. Uh, I'm a bit of a challenger. I'm a bit of a go-against-the-grain kind of guy. I don't, it's not like I mean to. Sometimes, like, I don't like to be cornered. I don't like to be controlled. I like to be free, and I want to do stuff, and bring change in the earth, and if I ever feel controlled, I'm like a cat in the corner of a room, man. I'll come out clawing. I remember my, my daughter and my wife were trying to tell me, you know, like my Enneagram, and they're like, oh, you're a total eight wing seven, and they're like telling me, I'm like, you know, um, and I'm telling them, like, I can't be put in a box. I'm not a number, and they're like, oh, that's totally what an eight would say. <laughs> but I grew up a bit of a maverick. Um, my, my parents split up. I lived in Denver, Colorado. That's my hometown. And, uh, I moved to Las Vegas when I was 12 and I live with my dad and I have a, an amazing dad that lives in Las Vegas and, um, he's still there now, uh, with my stepmom and my mom lives in Colorado in Denver. And so I, I live with my dad and I would go back and visit my mom, but I live with my dad from when I was 12 until I actually moved out here a year ago. And, Growing up, I had my dad's love and attention. He was hardworking, and, uh, and we would go on road trips. And man, just, I have just incredible memories with my dad. 
But I remember at points in my life growing up where, you know, like I, I said this a couple years ago, when we finally had three teenagers in our house, I called it the unholy trinity. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm telling the intercessors, you know, like you all need to pray for us. And we have good kids. But I was, I was a bit of a rebellious kid. I wasn't saved, so my kids are saved, so they have no excuse. It's not your nature to rebel. And so, but it, I was just lost, man. And, uh, and I remember, so my pops, he, he's, a, he's a man's man. Like, he's a Vietnam vet. Uh, he's a scrapper, you know. And so I, I'm like, I, I'm a small guy. I'm like 103 as a freshman in high school. I get in trouble for fighting and stuff. I'm wrestling in high school. Um, I wrestle for my high school and stuff. And, and I remember, like, as I grew up, I'm like, oh, man, I'm tough. I'm strong. Like, I can bench press this. And, and how many know sometimes we think we're a lot tougher than we really are? And so there's this one time where my pops, we used to mess around, right, and then, and, and like, wrestle or fight or whatever. And, uh, and he gave me this look out of nowhere. Like, I'm like, oh, what's up, pops? You want, you want some? Come on. And we're, like, messing around. He just gave me this look. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that look before. <laughs> it literally freaked me out. And then what happened next was insane. Those videos, <laughs> like something happened, and what happens next was crazy, and then nothing happens. I hate those videos. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, anyways, he started taking his watch off. I'm like, why are you taking your watch off, Dad? We going swimming? He takes his ring off, and then here's what he says. One time, baby, one time. And I'm like, what are you talking about one time? One time, two time, three. One time, are you talking about the cops? Are the cops here? Like, what? And it freaked me out. And my pop's like, one time, that's all it takes, baby, just one time. And I remember my dad used to say, you can get as big as a house, you'll never be able to whoop your pops. <laughs> and in the beginning, he'd say that. I'm like, yeah, whatever, pops, we'll see. I'm working out and stuff. But to this day, after this one time, I believe my dad. <laughs> he is 70-something years old and, like, ripped 100 push-ups in the morning. I'm like, no joke. I don't even take my shirt off around him at the swimming pool, bro. He is ripped. Like, I'm like, Dad, put your dang shirt back on. I'm all frumpy, dude. But I'm thankful for my, my dad. But there's times I got a little out of line, and my dad got a little frustrated and woke me up. said, hey, settle down, son. You ain't that tough. Growing up, I also remember... As an unsaved teenager looking for love in all the wrong places. I want to sing the song right now, but I won't. Looking for love in all the wrong places. How many know, though, sometimes we're trying to find something, affection, friendship, love, affirmation, in everybody else. When there's a hole in our heart and there's only one person who can fill it. There's only one person that can actually fill that hole. I spent, I mean, and then I get saved and I'm in ministry and I'm trying to fill that hole with ministry. I'm trying to fill that hole with, I've got to be pleasing to the Lord. And yes, like Paul, I would affirm it is my aim to please him. But I was doing ministry to please the Lord. Instead of like Jesus, the one that we're following, he heard the voice of his father that he was pleasing as a son, his beloved son, in the very beginning of his ministry. What if our ministries were built on the foundation that the Father is already pleased with us? 
looking for love in all the wrong places, partying, relationships, doing things outside of grace, trying to find affirmation, love, and affection, and realizing that there's still a hole. Not feeling seen in ministry. This was a big one. You know, I, I was a young man who didn't know who he was. I've told a little bit of the story of kind of how I looked, but if you can imagine, I had long hair, and uh, I would wear gangster Nikes. Some of y'all don't even know what those are. <laughs> skater pants, purple skater pants, and then some shirt that did not match. And I, was, I looked like a stoner skater and a gangster all wrapped into one human being. I didn't know who I was. Found myself getting into trouble. And then I'm in ministry, and I feel like God's called me to ministry, but nobody saw me. I'm like, how come I feel invisible? So I'm trying to do better in ministry, and I didn't realize that I, I, I was actually doing things, trying to please the Lord and missing out on what God was, was gracing me with. I was thinking about the contrast between this story where Leah keeps having these children, these sons, and she's naming them. This, I was seen, so this is, this is his name, you know, and she wants to be seen. I was heard, and, and I'm going to be joined. I'm accepted, and she's looking for all this and realizing that her husband has still not given her, she, he, her husband has not seen her, heard her, or given her affection and acceptance. But then she says, this time I will praise the Lord. I was thinking about this story where she's very fruitful, but doesn't see the blessing all around her. You remember the story of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, where Hannah, which Hannah means favor, and the Bible says she was barren, but she had a double portion. You know you can be blessed, but still unfruitful in life? And you can be fruitful and not see the blessing all around you. That's called a power pause. <laughs> Sometimes we miss the whole point. It's like she's trying to be seen by her husband, heard by her husband, joined her husband, and God's like, I see you. I hear you. I want to be one with you. The story to me is about a radical reorientation to worship our relationship with the Lord and what we're called to do. I think about the woman at the well. Um, I'm not going to read the story to you. I love preaching on the woman at the well. I have here before about the beginning where it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. It was a divine appointment. And uh, what's interesting about that story is a lot of people will just think the woman at the well was just a mess, which she probably was. But the Bible doesn't say, here's just a fact, the Bible doesn't call her an adulteress. Did you know that? We don't really know the, uh, the whole story behind the five husbands she had. And we don't really know if the one she was with, she was shacking up with. Hello? But that's how we read it. Because we put things into the, the story. It's called eisegesis. We, but I, I was reading the story, and I want to say something. that is she an adulteress, or was she just abandoned? Because a, a Samaritan under the law, if she was committing adultery and divorcing, now in that culture, men could divorce their wives for whatever they wanted to. This is why Malachi 3 says God hates divorce. Because men were just leaving their wives, leaving their children, and not taking care of them. 
And God says, I hate that. I despise that. But in, in this first century context, Samaritans, they were a lot like Jews in the fact that they were under the law. You remember in John chapter 8, four chapters later, the author says, woman caught in the act of adultery. And what were they about to do? Stoner. So this story, the woman at the well, it's interesting to me. Immediately we think when Jesus says, go get your husband, she's like, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You had five, and the one you're with is not your husband. We assume, well, she, she you know, cheated on all her husbands or divorced or whatever. But the Bible doesn't say. We don't know the whole story. There are some uh, scholars and some commentaries that actually say the language where Jesus says the one you're with is not your husband, this is really powerful. It actually could mean this. The one you're engaged to hasn't set a date yet. What if the woman at the well was thirsty because she was rejected and broken and alone and trying to identify and all the, looking for love in all the wrong places? The well was known as a place where you're looking for love. I have a theory that's where twerking was invented. I don't know if it's true or not, but... <laughs> It's possible. And she says, I perceive you're a prophet. Because he was reading her mail. Was he exposing her sin? Yeah, probably. But also her brokenness. I don't think necessarily she was an adulteress, but she was definitely abandoned. What if the five husbands she was rejected by? In the first century, you, as a man, you could divorce your wife for whatever I didn't like that Mediterranean pizza. You made me woman. No, that, that's just how they treated women. What if she was rejected over and over and over and over, and then the one that she's engaged to hasn't really set a date yet and hasn't really fully committed to her? Sounds kind of like Leah in the story. I wish my husband would just see me. You ever been there? I wish I, I don't feel heard. I don't feel accepted or loved and we try to fill that hole when there's only one person and one presence that can fill that hole and then she makes a decision she says you know what enough is enough this time I will praise the Lord and I mean she named her son Judah which means his glorious praise or his praise or praise and Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Wow. It's almost like, and I'll say this, like, yes, it's about worship and orient our hearts at the Lord. And, and I want to encourage you, maybe you're newer to the church or uh, maybe you're not used to the passionate worship that we do. And I'm not saying, like, you have to worship this way. Like, if you don't dance, you're not, no, you don't, if you don't lift your hand, no. But I am saying, don't, just flirt with worship. Engage. I encourage you. Praise the Lord. Like, choose worship. Choose praise. And express your heart. Engage. I tell my kids sometimes, I'm like, I want you to, I want you to engage. I want you to engage in worship. And I don't force my kids, look like you worship and lift your hands up. No, I tell, I try to get to their hearts. Like, I want, like the Lord wants to touch you on Sunday mornings. Like the Lord is desiring to meet with you. I tell my daughters, the Father, you know how much I love you? 
It doesn't even compare how much Papa wants to pour his love on you. And I tell him, engage in worship. So I'm telling you now, from this text, part of it I want to pull out is that, yes, we should step into this river of worship. Don't just flirt with worship. It's holy. Don't just put your toe in the river. Come on. Jump in. The water is wonderful. And your life will be changed when you orient your heart at the Lord. But I feel like this is what God's saying in the text. I know you're looking to be seen, but I see you. I know you're looking to be heard, but I hear you. I know you're looking to be accepted and loved. Guess what? You are accepted in the beloved. Come on. Why does the scripture call us beloved? This is interesting to me, and I want to talk about this. You know that we are powerful, but we're not told to be powerful? We are blessed, but we're not told to act blessed. Come on. We are anointed, but we're not told to look anointed. And we have lots of gifts, but we're not called to do a solo act with them. We are beloved because above all, we are called to be loved. We love him because he first loved us. Well, we got to love God, Pastor. Yes, but just be loved first. You can't love God until you learn to be loved. Well, we've got to evangelize. Well, you can't evangelize unless you encounter his love. When I, when I love food to the point where it distracts my sermons or it gets me to tell everybody about a restaurant like you just told me where to get a Reuben, I would not know that. You would not know that unless you tried it for yourself. And if you didn't try it for yourself and you're telling me there's a good Reuben and I go and it's not a good Reuben, you a liar. We try to evangelize and we've never encountered the love of God. We try to tell people, oh, come and feast on the lover of all lovers, and we've never encountered the lover of all lovers. We're still over here in our religion trying to get affection and trying to get things from identifying and what we're doing and what we're birthing in our ministry. And God's saying, no, I want you to orient your heart at me. And it's not even the, 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 the desire within us to be loved and to love is wrong. But it's just what we allow in our hearts. We were made to be loved and to love. We're made for intimacy and relationship, right? And depending on the context, it, it varies. Like there's, you know, the covenant of marriage. And like as a father, I, I'll tell you this, as a dad, I'm affectionate to my daughters and my, and my sons, of course. But I don't want my daughters to give something else away looking for affection from a man. Because the affection they receive from me is pure. And I fight for my daughters. I don't want them to look for someone else's gaze and, and be deceived and pulled away in some messed up, funky relationship. Come on, somebody. Because I'm their dad. I'm their papa. I fight for them. I have a fierce love for them. How much more does a father fight for his kids? Not to get caught up in being accepted and loved and affirmed and all this stuff. Like God's like, no, I want your heart. I want your heart. He wants my heart. Psalm 73 is one of the most powerful psalms. One of my favorite. One day I'll preach the whole psalm, but the psalmist is on a journey 
where his heart and his eyes have gone the wrong places. And he's envying the prosperity of the wicked. And he wants to see him die. And then he says, all this was, I was vexed by all this. And then he says, until I went to the sanctuary. And then towards the end, everything is in perspective. And he says what really matters is this, verse 25 and 26 of Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Your portion is not brokenness. Your portion, our portion is not rejection. Our portion is not dissatisfaction. Our portion is not being thirsty and going back to the well. Our portion is drinking living water that Jesus gives us. Only he can satisfy. There's no relationship. And and marriages and relationships are so important. But if I love my wife more than I love Jesus, I'll never be satisfied. Sorry, baby. He's first. But I absolutely love you. You're beautiful in face and in form. I'm ravished over you, in fact. But if my love for Jesus is not greater, and it can't be unless I learn to be loved by Jesus, and I behold him, it changes everything. And then I'm not looking for love in all the wrong places, and then I'm not re- un- you know, thinking things and insecurities and fear and rejection, and I, I don't allow the things that have happened to me in my past to dictate how I behave in the future because I'm beholding him. He wants our hearts And the same way the psalmist said, whom I have in heaven but you, and there's none on earth that I desire besides you, God's saying that. Whom else on earth? I want you. I want your heart. He wants intimacy with you. Can you say amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, but to the one who's united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. See, the whole time, Leah's like, this time, my husband will, then finally my husband will love me. Let me name my son this. Like, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. I want to be joined to my husband. I'm not loved. The whole time, the father's saying, I see you. I hear you. I want to be one with you. In closing, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, I shared a little bit about my history with my dad and, uh, Anytime I get to hang out with my pops, I'm, I'm always abundantly blessed. I miss my, my dad's embrace. He, he lives in Las Vegas, so he's far away right now physically. Um, I, I was talking to him this last week. I'm on the phone with him, and, and we're just, just chatting, catching up. It's amazing sometimes, like when I was in Las Vegas, I would see him. How many know sometimes it's hard, harder to value the things that are right in front of you and live in the moment um, when they're always there? They're always there. We become so familiar with things. You, can I just give you a little, a little tip that'll change your life forever? 
Learn to live in the moment and love the moment. It will change your life. Matter of fact, that is the, I would say, the first step to experiencing the presence of God, the love of God. Just slow down and live right now because right now God is loving you. Right now he's talking to you. He's speaking to you. And I, I would see my dad, and, but now it's different. I'm talking to him, and it's like I'm listening to every word he's saying. Like, man, it's good to hear your voice, Dad. Isn't it wonderful, like a friend or a loved one, you hear their voice. It's like, it's good to hear your voice. Have you ever said that? So I'm talking to my dad, and it was so good to hear his voice. And I'm just, and then I get off the phone, my wife and my sister, and this is kind of a, a vulnerable moment. Um, not my sister, I'm sorry, Sarah. My wife and Sarah were on the porch and I hang up the phone and I lost it. I said, I really miss my dad. And I just started weeping. I was just bawling. I think I made some funny noises. You know. But the point is, is like sometimes we, we long to be embraced by a friend or a loved one or a brother or sister, right? And that's okay. We're made for that. And I'm not here to say this like I need sympathy. It's just a normal thing, right? I, I have, I, I was raised with my dad and, and I haven't, you know, been in the same city with him in the last year. But I remember after I cried and just, and then I was apologizing to, um, to my wife and Sarah. I said, sorry, I just kind of lost it. And, uh, and I heard the Holy Spirit, hear me. I heard the Holy Spirit whisper. And it was like, you know how the Bible says, it's it's the Spirit that causes you to cry out, Abba, Father. He said, what just happened? It's kind of like that. Except I'm not 2,000 miles away. I'm right here. And this whole message is about seeing that God is gazing at you with eyes of love. He's smiling at you. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. In other words, may you see him smiling over you. <laughs> As we turn our hearts and say, this time I will praise the Lord. We are reorienting at what matters. And we cry out, Daddy! And the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us. Let me pray for you. I hope you were encouraged today. And uh, in a moment, we're going to dismiss and we have a prayer team um, that is available to pray for any of your needs, anything you want. We also have a prophetic team that's ready, along with my mother-in-law who's in town, who's very gifted and anointed. Um, and, and, and our team is incredible and anointed. And we're just going to impart, if you want a prophetic word, we're going to have an opportunity for that as we dismiss. If you've never experienced anything like that, I would encourage you to come. Bring your family up and, and the Lord will use it. The Bible talks about the gift of prophecy. It's really an expression of God's heart. Sometimes it's confirming, but it's to comfort and encourage. And so we, want, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. And we want to see them activated. But I want to just pray for you real quick. Father, I pray for every person in the room that is just feeling something burning in their hearts. And may we all, along this journey, like Leah, like the woman at the well, 
may we stop looking for affirmation, affection, love, acceptance, trying to be seen, trying to be heard from all the wrong places. And may our hearts turn to you and receive your love. We are beloved. So teach us to be loved. I just pray a blessing over every person. I pray the same Trinitarian benediction Paul did over the church of Corinth. May the love of God the Father, the sweet fellowship of the Spirit, and the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. I bless you. Thank you, church. Can we just seal it with praise? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.